It's the Not So Bon Voyage podcast, episode 13. On today's episode, we talk about the world's most notorious hash smuggler, eating flies to survive, taking a gun to Disneyland, and how to get a first class seat. Buckle up, bitches, let's ride. And then the train got lost. How does the train get lost when it's on rail? I just want to get out there in the wild. Well, it was in the itinerary. I mean, adventure, it's calling. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been excellent. Ahoy! Ahoy! Welcome back. Second last episode of the year. I cannot believe that. We, Can you believe Of the it? decade. Of the decade. That's bananas. Wow. This is episode 13 of the Not So Bonvage podcast. I am Jules. I am Christine. And we are a couple of weeks away from the end of the year. Happy holidays, bitches. Happy holidays, everybody. And whatever you celebrate. Whatever you want to celebrate. Anything. We I don't guess care. This is you kind go of our, girls and this boys. Is Christmas episode, in a sense. It will be coming out two days before Christmas. Two days before Christmas. Uh, we a celebrate- day after Hanukkah starts. Yep. Not Hanukkah familiar starts with the other on dates. Sunday. When's Kwanzaa? I don't know when Kwanzaa There's is. a lot of holidays at this Should time of year. Should we look it up? There's a lot of holidays at this year, but whatever you celebrate, happy holidays, and we hope that you're having fun with family and friends, because that's the most important thing about the holidays. And this is a crazy time of year for travel. A lot of people go away for the holidays. A lot of people visit family and friends, and it is bananas in the airports this time of year. And it was also winter, so there's usually like flight delays with snow, things like that. There's usually, I bet you we get some good stories out of this holiday period. Yeah, make sure to hit us up when you come back from your ski holiday break or whatever it is you're doing. Well, not everybody's in the snow. Our folks in the Southern Hemisphere, our Aussies and New Zealanders, our South Africans, our everybody else, they're just loving up the sun. It's actually about 100 degrees in Melbourne at the moment. Oh my God, that's so hot. Yes. Shout out to. 100 degrees Celsius, that's really warm. Uh A shout out to all all our New South Wales listeners and everybody on the Central Coast who is dealing with the bushfires. In Australia at the moment, we're thinking about you and we're sending our love and support from all the way from the States. Yes, we are. Just a little shout out. Little shout These out. guys are doing it tough at the moment. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. But we're back with another episode. Yes, we are. And we're going to jump straight into it because today we are high energy. We are so high energy. We're I haven't even good. had any coffee today. I'm feeling good. But I'm in really comfortable clothing, so I think that's helping. Yep. I'm going to jump straight into it with my story. It's called, uh, sorry, we're doing in the news and then we've got some bang up stories coming up. My story is called Stick 'em Up Mickey. Ooh, Stick 'em Up. Is it is there a comma in there or is it is it like Stick 'em Up Mickey or is it Stick 'em Up Mickey? What's what would be the difference? I don't know. I feel like punctuation is very important. There is no comma. Is it's there an exclamation stick mark? Stick 'em Up Mickey. Okay. okay. I'm ready for this. I'm sticking with the Disney theme of last week. I love Disney. So last week we talked about a guy who went to Disneyland in Paris and took acid and went missing all night and ended up naked a mile away from the park. Today I thought I'd stick with the Disney theme because Disneyland is a magical place. Unless your name is Nathan Pollitt and you're 29 from Florida and you try to bring a gun into Disneyland. I mean, I don't want to point it out, but I mean, Florida, come on. <laughs> Florida, get your shit together. So this guy goes to Disneyland Orlando and he accident. He says he accidentally brought a gun into Disneyland. He said he'd completely forgotten about this, the nine millimeter Smith and Wesson semi-automatic gun, which was loaded in his bag when he tried to enter. I mean, anywhere else, if that was like the Bay Area, I'd be like, "That's such bullshit." But in Florida, like, yeah, maybe they're just hey, everybody's got the guns. So it doesn't it doesn't specify who he was at Disneyland with, who he was going with, what he was doing there. Well, obviously, he was going to enjoy the magic. But he said he had the gun in his car, and he didn't want it to be in his car, so he thought it was safer with him, so he put it in his bag. Okay, that's dumb. He forgot about it. Well, you know, if someone breaks into your car. And steals your gun? I don't know. Either way, he didn't have a permit for his gun, and he was trying to enter through the no bag line. So it sounds a little suspicious. This is sus. I think the big break on this case if i may put my detective hat on of course we know we love to make assumptions i love to make assumptions and i love to be a detective where i know you just answered this you don't know but was he by himself or was he with other people that would be the key 
part of the evidence that we are missing. Because a lone man in his late 20s going to Disneyland by white himself. White male, white male. With, I mean, I don't want to point it out, but white male with a fully loaded gun is like, no, dude. No permit. No. But if he was with, like, his family or if he was with, like, you know, his girlfriend or celebrating their anniversary, you know, who knows? Yes, and you are allowed to have, you are allowed to carry a, a weapon, a concealed weapon. Into Disneyland? No, 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 not Disneyland. I think in Florida. Okay. But well, how would he get through the no bag line with an obvious bag? Well, that is the other question. Either way, he was charged with carrying a concealed firearm, which is a third-degree felony. He was released on a $1,000 bond, um, and that's all I know of the story. But it was it was just because it was in the travel news about a man traveling to Disneyland with a gun. And I thought, wow. well, this is two Disneyland stories in a row. Leave your guns at home. When you go to Disneyland. Leave your guns at home. (laughs) Mickey. They should do a Mickey educational video. Hi, kids. Hey, kids. Leave your guns at home. That's not a good Mickey Mouse. (laughs) Oh, Mickey Mouse. Yeah, okay. More like a mini. Mini. Well, I'm more of a mini. I've always identified as a mini. Okay, cool. Well, that's interesting. So my in the news story is a little bit of a different take because we're almost at Christmas and my main story is really intense and and crazy. So I wanted to do a nice story for my in the news. I know. Sorry, guys. Don't hate me. I'll be quick. Okay. Well, I have another in the news then afterwards that is also quick and it is crazy with some funny questions. Okay, cool. So I'll keep this one quick. This is a recent story. I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's this young guy who gave up his first class seat on a plane to this elderly woman. I read the headline, didn't read the story. Shoot, tell me all about it. As many people do, I often read the headline and don't read the story. And make many assumptions. Many assumptions. And then you go to uh, parties and you talk with friends and you pretend like you know actually what's happening. Yeah, and it's like, oh, I just read an article. And then it's like, actually, I just read the headline. And then I skim the bullet points. Yeah, and then I made really uh, outrageous comments on Facebook. So this is not one of those situations. I actually read the article. This is a young guy named Jack who is traveling with his family on a Virgin Atlantic flight going from New York. It didn't actually say where they were going, which is crazy. I read so many articles and none of them stated their destination. Suspicious. Secret. Super suspicious. PR stunt. But I want to say it, they were going to New Zealand because there are a lot of New Zealand news sources. Okay. So basically this New young, Zealand are also on top of the news. They are. New Zealand Herald. Well, did you get a source from there? Ever heard of it? Ever heard of it? I have heard of it. Why? Are they like the top trusted news no, source I don't of know. the world? I just always come across New Zealand newspapers as well. Shout out to our Kiwi news reporters. Yeah. Shout out. If you're a Kiwi journalist, hit us up. Tell us what it's like. Maybe you know more about the story than I do. Basically, a young guy named Jack was traveling in first class on a Virgin Atlantic flight with his family. And in the airport at the gate, he started chatting with this 88-year-old woman named Violet. When they got on board, Jack went back to find Violet in coach and gave her his seat. And this was a really nice cushy seat. That one of those laid back ones. One of the laid back ones with good food. I I think it was going from New York to New Zealand. So that's, that's a, a long, long flight. flight. Definitely a long flight. And I guess it's that's some, a good like seventeen, eighteen plus hours. Yes, that's a long time. I think it didn't say. I'm making assumptions again. I guess it had been relayed to him that. It was always her dream to sit in first class. So that's why he did it. And he just went back there and said, "Grab, take my seat. Like, I want to do this for you to be nice. And that was I'm going to start doing that more often. I'm going to start making friends in an airport with the people who look really rich and the people who are sitting close to the, you know, the first borders, the special borders. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, oh, you know, like it was always my I've never flown first class, which I haven't. I've probably taken a thousand flights in my lifetime and never flown. If anyone wants to sponsor Jules. Seriously, I would love to fly first class one day. Someone please it's my make, Christmas dream. make his wish come true. Well, I think it would help if you're an 88-year-old woman. <laughs> well, maybe I could dress up like one. Remember our story back in like, I think, was that episode one? I think that was episode one. Episode one, we told a crazy story, if you haven't heard it. About a like thirty-five-year-old Indian man who dressed up as a ninety-two-year-old yeah. Indian old man in a wheelchair to try and fake his way in with a fake document to New York. It was a crazy story. That was a crazy story. Go back to episode one. Episode and one. Check it out. Pretty sure. Pretty sure. 
And you could do that. But I think if you look sus, then they're probably going to kick you off the plane. Yes. Well, I have another plane related uh, in the news. Okay. Hit, it's hit a really me up quick with one. it. A California man tried to sneak his pet opossum onto a plane from Texas. I saw the headline of this. I did not read the article. Okay. Well, what do you think it is? I think that a man tried to sneak his opossum onto a flight. Fucking hell. You are sharp today. I'm sharp. You have absolutely it's, got it. That's it's it. It's an emotional support animal? No, it wasn't. He, really? No. He, so he's uh, from Long Beach. He was flying to Austin on JetBlue. Long Beach, the Florida of California. Just saying. Really? I don't know. I just made that up. But it <laughs> seems like... so. That seems like somebody would do in Florida. I'm giving Florida so much shit on this episode. Fuck Florida. We just watched a Big Mouth episode on Florida. So I think that's where I'm getting my Florida You're banter. Channeling, channeling it. Channeling. And I Florida's think Long just Be- crazy. I think Long Beach is pretty fancy. Um, I don't think so. Is mm, it? Yeah, isn't it? Isn't it like around the OC is. and things like that? I Yeah, but it's not like that. It's more like street and like cool, you know. I wish you could Long see Beach. what, I wish you could see how Christine was describing it. Like street, like cool. The head was bobbing from side to side. <laughs> yeah. We really got to get the video podcast going on. I think it's more like skatery. Oh, okay. It's a state, the whole place is a skate it's park. It's just one giant skate park, actually. Okay. All yeah. right. There you go. Anyway, he was traveling from Long Beach to Austin on a JetBlue flight and so he actually was able to sneak. He says that he'd spoke to JetBlue and had got the all clear with them. And he'd actually taken the possum to Austin. But this was flying back that he got recognized. And they were basically told him that he had to get off the flight. He could either leave the possum behind or he had to drive back to California. Leave it behind? Yeah. Why did he it's have like an opossum? So it's a pet opossum. Okay. So an opossum, for anyone who is unfamiliar um, I don't know where, I think, are they just in North America? I have no idea. We call idea. them possums. Okay, so Australia. they're the same. I thought they were different. Possums are way cuter. Opossums look more like rats. Yeah. Okay. They're not as cute. They're like big possums, but with rat tails, as I've... opposed to fluffy, nice tails, like squirrel tails. Like a big kitty. They're like a big rat. Big rat. Big they're rat versus cute. kitty. Anyway, he ended up getting off the flight and he boarded... Um, a United Airlines flight, or was it American Airlines? It was a different flight, American Airlines, back to California with it, and they said that they didn't bat an eyelid, and he was able to take it back. Wow. But I thought it was funny because there's been a lot of crazy stories about people trying to bring certain animals onto flights for yes. support. Yeah. The lady tried to bring a peacock. I remember that was a big one. There was a woman who tried to bring – actually, sorry, correction. She did bring her miniature horse onto an American Airlines flight. Did oh you see pictures God. of that? Yes. I will put pictures on the show notes, notsobonvoyage.com. She literally bought a miniature horse, a pony. Oh, my God. No, actually, I think there's a difference between a miniature horse and a pony. Yes, I believe A pony is is like a small horse, and a miniature horse is kind of the little horse. It's a mini horse. It's a mini horse version. (laughs) It's like a fun-sized horse. mini horse. Little Sebastian. So I had a question for you. What animal would you love to fly with? Like I'm the one dealing with it and bringing it on or I'm like sitting on a plane and somebody else has brought this on. Let's do both. What okay. animal, if you had to choose a support animal, what would you choose? Oh, support animal. Probably like a bunny or something very soft. Okay. I don't, it has to be something cuddly. It can't you would want be, it to be on your lap so you could be cuddly with right. it. Right. Like a, a peacock, it's just not cuddly enough. Peacocks also are kind of re- scary. Ridiculous. I think the worst support animal would be a goose because they're dicks. Some people brought pigs on, Okay, which would be pig, very cute. Pig would be very cute. A little port, port belly? What's it called? P- pork belly? belly? Oh, pork my be- God. Pork, pork belly, belly is pig. so bad. I think that this is fucking ridiculous. I understand the sentiment behind uh, support animals, emotional support animals, but if you were, if you were getting onto a plane with a horse – I would just think you're a, f- you're a moron. It's a bit much. Like, honestly, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Yeah. If your animal can't sit in a small cage or can't be on your lap for a small domestic flight, I'm sorry, you should find a different way to get there. What it if might it be needs controversial. to go to the bathroom? It might be controversial, but I'm telling you, if you try and bring a horse onto a plane, you're a fucking idiot. It's a bit much. That's it. Yeah, okay. I've said it. Well, I don't know if I'd go that far, but it's a bit much. What I don't understand is how do these su- people choose their support animals? Like, is it the like the support animal chooses you, Christine? Well, I'm wondering if it's a it's a wand Harry Potter situation yeah. because wouldn't you choose something that's more easy to travel with? 
If you had no your idea. choice. Hmm. Or mar- maybe they just feel connected with horses in some way. I think that people just need to either get more medicated on their flights <laughs> or they need to learn how to drive long distances if they plan to bring silly animals. Yeah. Well, that's it. That's the last I'll say of it until I read about the next story. Yeah. And then I get enraged again. A horse is a big animal. Yep. Even Not a, a fan. Mini one. Not a fan. Yeah. Okay. Choose a hamster. Choose a hamster. Uh, main stories. Let's We're do zipping this, through. Bitch. We're zipping. I mean, it's. We got things to do. Yeah, we have to go Christmas shopping. <laughs> we have not finished our Christmas shopping. You mean you don't just buy everything on Amazon? I mean, I try not to. Are you trying to be? Are you trying to um, tell everybody that you like to support local shops and I all that jazz? Don't know about local, but I do like to go in store because you know I think that's important. Mm. Got to do face to face time with other people. Unfortunately, but mm. it's got to happen. We live in a world now where we don't have to interact with anyone by face. You can just have your AirPods in and listening to our podcast twenty four seven. Yeah, I mean, if you don't have our podcast just queued up for the holiday season, what are you doing? Put it on Alexa. Play Not So Bon Voyage. Oh, you can do that marathon. I think you can do it with Siri. We don't have an Alexa, so we, we wouldn't really know. No. Anyway. Where uh, I would actually like to know what animal you would love to fly with. So if any of our our voyagers are listening, send us a message and tell us what would be your dream animal of choice. Maybe a turtle. Slow and steady. <laughs> Slow and steady wins the race. They don't go to the bathroom very often. They are very slow and chill. I feel like it'd be a good thing to just be like, hey, this is cool. Hey. But are they comfy, like cuddly? Would you want one on your lap? Well, it wouldn't be. This is if somebody else had the animal. But if okay. I had the animal, I would choose a bunny. Okay, bunny. I think bunny is a good choice and manageable. Except they shit. They shit a, a lot. lot, and they could get away from you so quickly, and they'd be like, "Boom! Oh my god, you could have a race, <laughs> a bunny and a turtle." There we go. Tortoise and the hare. But they would both end up at the same place at the same time. Yes. I think the turtle won, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's how the legend goes. The bunny would get distracted going down the aisle talking to all the different people. And the turtle would just slink on down. Yeah, exactly. It's a modern day it's a modern day well, it's not a fairy tale, but it's an allegory. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, send us in your support animal. What would you choose? It would be very interesting. I feel like you could tell us a lot about somebody by what animal they choose. Yes. It's like your spirit animal. Yes. At not so bon voyage on Instagram and Twitter. What's your animal? Um, I just think I'd just take a dog. Dogs are the best. They're the best. Like a little tiny baby. little shih tzu. <gasps> a little shih tzu. Oh, yeah. I love little shih tzus. Yep, that would be me. Nice. Okay, jumping into our main stories for the day because we've just got so much ground to cover. My main story is called, oh, actually, I had a name for my last story. It was called, Oh Man, What You Doing? As in like, Oh Possum. Oh, I like yeah, it, I like okay, it. yeah. That was a little bit last minute. But my main story is very interesting and it has two parts. And it's going to be an interesting, it's going to take a few twists and turns. So you need to stick around and listen to the end of it. The first part is interesting. The second part equally is interesting, if not more mysterious. Okay. So hang on to your butts. It's called Anybody Out Back There. Ooh. I like that name when I thought of it. That's a good one. This story goes back a while ago. It goes back to 2014, and it's about a German backpacker called Daniel Dudzidzi. Uh, you know, knowing our podcast, you know I've said that wrong. <laughs> Obviously. Dudzidzis. Dudzidzis. Dudzidzis? Dudzidzis. D-U-D-Z-I-S-Z. Okay. So when you've got Zs in there, or Zs as you call, might call them, it gets difficult. He's 26, and he's exploring Australia. He is a diabetic. He's insulin dependent, and he decides that he's going to walk to the Australian outback because why not? Why not? I've got a little bit of a a, a walking. I've got some themes going on at the moment. Yeah, you've got a walking theme. Are you going to be doing a big walk? Are you leaving me soon for a giant trek? I have always wanted to do the Santiago. um, Oh, Camino Santiago. Me too. I would also like to do that. That would be very cool. So it sounds like this backpacker, Daniel, is quite the walker. Maybe not as good as that man from last week who walked from Vancouver, Canada to Buenos Aires, Argentina. I still can't believe somebody went that far. Crazy story. You should definitely check out last week's story. Insane. But he's still a pretty good walker. He'd spent several months walking through New South Wales and Queensland. And because this guy was walking, he actually did one of the right things 
So what he did was he was keeping authorities alert as to where he was going and what he was doing. Huh. How do you do that? I'm not sure. I guess if you're going to go on a big solo journey, you can get in contact with the local authorities and say, hey, just letting you know that I'm going from point A to point B. I will check in periodically along the way, whatever, whatever. That was the authorities in Australia, he told? Okay. So pretty smart, you know. That's smart. Because I know you can basically, like in the States, you can alert the government, set up a travel notice basically, and be like, I'm going out of the country. So everyone knows where you are, I guess. with your credit cards. No, not with your credit cards. It sounds like that, but this is with the government. Oh, uh, hello, American Express. Yes, I will be out of the country. Make sure I'm safe. If I don't check in with you, American Express, check if in I with me. If I don't post any late-night taco charges to my card, you know there's something wrong. Something's wrong. Send help immediately. Send help. No, no. So he was checking with the Australian authorities. So that's, cool. th- that's what it sounds like anyway, because... He'd been walking and alerting authorities along the way of where he was going. Now, he's in the state of Queensland, which is on the east coast, northeast coast. Very big state. Uh, Other people call it Queensland. How do you you say it? Queensland. Yeah, well, okay. You've been training, that's why. I've been training. I've been been, doing my lunges. Well, you don't say... Like, whoo, got to nail this pronunciation. Queensland and Melbourne. 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 That's such an American way to say Melbourne. Yeah. Also, Aussies. Aussies. Aussie, oh, God, Aussies. that shits me so much. That's so funny. You Aussies from Melbourne really know... Oh, fucking <laughs> hell, mate. Just give it up. Give it up. It is an Aussie, as in O-Z. Yes, as in the wonderful land of... Oz. Yes. It is Melbourne, like M-E-L-B-E-N. Melbourne. 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 I still... I feel wanky saying that. Well, it's because you're not from Melbourne. Yeah, exactly. I say Melbourne. Melbourne. That's good. Yeah, I don't say Melbourne. Mel. Yeah, or you can say Melbourne. Like Melbourne. M e l b u i n. Like Melbourne. Yeah, like Rose. Yeah. Burn. Anyway, he's in Queensland or Queensland. Oh, you said it too. Ah, see. He's in Queensland. Queensland. No. Well, how do you say it? Now Queens- I'm confused. Queensland. Queensland. So That's I was it. right. Yeah. He's far inland off the coast, but somewhere between walking the 50 miles, so about 85 k's. From Windera to Janda, he became stranded in a grassy section where the Baku River floods. Because everybody knows where all those places are. I know all of those places so They are well. far west inland from the coast of Queensland. So they're, they're more towards Northern Territory, more towards the outback. And he's walking between these two places and the Baku River floods and he kind of gets caught between like the two sections. I don't know where he is. He's on a pass somewhere, but basically the river floods around him and he gets caught on this grassy section, and he gets disorientated. That sounds really scary. Yes. So he's in this area that's flooding. So the police and everyone else loses contact with him because he had been periodically, I'm not sure how often, but for some reason or for somehow they knew that he hadn't touched base with where he was or where he was supposed to be. So they're like, okay, I think this guy's missing. So they lose contact with him, and they send out a search party. And for a week, they search the surrounding area with helicopters and teams looking for the lost tourist. Okay, good. Good. That, yeah, I okay. mean, that's what, that's their job. They should do that. That's their job. So Was this in the winter or was it like rainy season? This was in the summer. Okay, but they're still flooding? Uh, actually, I don't know where it is. I don't know when it was, actually. That's hmm. good. That's a good point. Because you think you wouldn't really go hiking if it's rainy season, but then how is it flooding if it's not rainy season? It would probably have to be rainy season then. Probably. Probably. Or maybe rainy season just ended or something. Yeah. But, well, you do get floods up in Queensland. Just all the time? Uh, not not all the time, but more so in the rainy season. Hmm. So okay. it's probably in the rainy season. That's a great deduction. Thank Detective. you. Detective Christine, at your service. At it again. So they get concerned about him because he's limited food supplies. And, they rem- and remember, he's a diabetic. Yes, that's scary. So they're scary. like, all right. So we know he hasn't, because he's only supposed to be walking 50 miles. So that would probably take him, he could probably do it in a day. Wow, that's a, that'd be a days. lot of work. Maybe yeah, two days. That'd be a lot of work. Okay, that would be a lot of work. Okay, two days. Mm-hmm. But you could do. You could walk that in two days, especially if you're traveling light. One could. I probably couldn't, but somebody could. Yeah, it could probably take you a week. If you're a walker. Yeah, it sounds like really he's a walker. walker. No, he's not a walker. I mean, we walk. I have walked yeah, before. Yeah, we walk, but we don't walk all We're the time. We're not walkers, no. if you know what we mean. So they get concerned because he's got limited food. He hasn't shown up for a week. They contact his family in Germany, 
And they don't seem overly concerned about him because they believe he's still pretty, you know, they're like, oh, he's pretty self-sufficient. He's done these sorts of trips before. Like, they're like, eh, he'll be okay. Local volunteers from the two towns join in the search mission and they're searching everywhere for him. They got the helicopters, they're on the ground, they're searching the area, the possible routes, can't find him. Do they have dogs? Maybe. Okay. That's the best answer for everything. Maybe. Maybe. I would put some dogs on the case, get a scent. Oh. Yeah, get the hounds on it. So remember, we've got floodwaters here. So finally, after 10 days, Daniel is actually found wandering on the street by a motorist who stops by to pick him up. Oh, thank God. When reconnected with the police that had been looking for him, he told the officers that he had seen the helicopters looking for him, but they couldn't see him through all the dense tree cover. Mm. And that for the last few days, he'd been walking through floodwaters and ate flies to survive. I literally am about to throw up in my mouth. He That's ate so flies disgusting. to survive. Why did you have to say that a second time? That Just is so Just to really barf. emphasize it. I mean, you got to do what you got to do, but flies are disgusting. Disgusting. Blech. The police are shocked and amazed that he survived and just like basically can't believe it. Yeah. Because they're, they're thinking, where's this guy? I've got no scent of him. Ten days in the middle of nowhere, and then suddenly he just pops up. And he's wow, like, he was busy for ten days? Yeah, and then he just pops up and just goes, oh, yeah, I've been eating flies. And but what he had enough insulin? I don't know. I guess so. Yeah, you it doesn't mention do. anything about that. It does say he's diabetic and insulin dependent. That seems like it would be so dangerous for a diabetic to yeah. be eating crazy. Flies. And when he when he showed up, they said that he looked like he was in good health. Didn't look disheveled. He actually looked pretty good. And he even joked about saying that you never go hungry in Australia because of the amount of flies you can eat for the protein. You really want to drive that point home? I mean, you're if not going to let us. If forget. I may say it one more time. How much nutrition could you get from a fly? I don't know. Also, don't they carry a lot of diseases? Yeah. I feel like you could find what much better grubs. Witchy yeah. grubs, worms. Yeah, grubs. grubs. Totally. Grub it up. I mean, that's what the indigenous Australians grub, grub used up. to eat. Grubs. Witchy grubs. Which I don't know anything about witchy grubs, but I do know what a regular grub is. Yeah. And that seems like it would pack more protein. Well, Bear Grylls always talks about eating grubs. Yeah, but Bear Grylls is a sham. What do they do on Naked and Afraid? That's more realistic. Yeah, of course it is. Of course. They're naked and they're very afraid. They're very afraid. One of our favorite shows. That's great. Um, So they they find him. They're like, okay, so, you know, how you doing? Should we, let's go to the hospital. And he's like, nah, I'm good. He refuses medical attention at the hospital and he decides to continue on his way. Mm -hmm. He was determined to continue his walk to the Northern Territory, because that is what he set out to do. And a quote from uh, Inspector Henderson on ABC News Australia said, he has made an agreement now that he will stick to the main roads rather than going cross-country. Good idea. So he ended up back in Windara, which is the city where he actually first started, uh, before he got lost. He restocked on his supplies. He hit the road again. Go, girl. Yeah, so some of the locals there, when they were interviewed about it, one of the shopkeepers said, oh, he's a pretty private guy. He just came in, got his supplies, and then went to the local park and spent the night there. So I'm, I'm guessing he's camping. He's a real wilderness oh, man. He really is. So that is the story of Daniel Dudziz, um, Dudziz in Australia. Okay, so that was the end of part one. All right. Now, part two is not super long because there isn't a lot of information on it, but... It is equally crazy and even more mysterious and a little bit sad. So I'm just I'm just setting the the preface tone. for that. Setting the tone because I don't want anybody to get surprised when I don't make a lot of jokes about it or anything like that because it's a little bit sad. Okay. So basically Daniel so that's Daniel's story in 2014. So I start researching Daniel to see if I can find more information about him because I'm like, well, this is very interesting. I start searching his name. I start thinking like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if I could search him up and find his story, uh, find out more about it, or maybe find him and message him over Facebook or something and ask him about an interview. So I start searching his name, and next thing I know, I find a website called, and I'll put all the links of this into the show notes so people can find it, and actually I'm calling upon the community as well. It's called danieldesparacido.eu. So it basically means... Oh, it's a website? It's a website. It's called that. Okay. Yes. Desperacido, Christine, what does that mean in Spanish? Disappeared. Disappeared. 
So I think to myself, and there's also a Facebook page. Okay. Now, this is also running in very common theme with our story of Lars Mittank. Yes. Our story of Anton Pilipa. Yeah. So both missing people. So we've got a little bit of a theme here. Mm-hmm. So I see this Facebook page about Daniel and I think to myself, oh, this must be the Facebook page that was set up when he was missing in Australia. Mm. Oh, how interesting. I'll jump in and I'll have a look at it. Well, this story gets weird because when I came across the Facebook page and the website, I actually find out that this is another disappearance from Daniel, from the same guy. That's crazy. So remember that Daniel, went he went missing in 2014 in Australia for 10 days. But this story is about a disappearance from Mexico in 2017. Whoa. All right. Okay. So, so the website is a one-page, very simple. Um, the Facebook page doesn't have much information. It's not updated regularly like Lars's was. Lars's was very um, updated with sightings or news or updates. This one had original posts from back in 2017. And that's it. And the website had very little information. And that was pretty much it. So the story goes that Daniel was in Puebla, which is a place that we've been to. It's about a few hours, two and a half sort of-ish hours south of Mexico City if you're driving. Daniel was in Puebla. He was planning on walking to Cholula. So he was in Puebla, planning on walking the short distance to Cholula to see the tunnels, the you know, the ancient sort of tunnels that go through. Oh, like, did um, we go in there? We did. They were like ruins. Yes, you really don't want to be there during an earthquake. No, that it was kind of... place kind of freaked me out. It was very narrow and very... Claustrophobic. Yes, and they're very tiny tunnels you go in and it's kind of like a maze inside a uh, inside a hill. Yes. Yes. So he was in Puebla. He was planning to walk to Cholula, which is not very far. And then he was going to walk the 130 kilometers or 80 miles back to Mexico City. So he's on another okay. walk. He's going to walk about again. He was last seen on January 11th, 2017, with a plan to get to Mexico City by foot. And since then, he nobody has heard of him. Wow. Heard from him. Wow. In almost three years. And they don't, ha- like, they don't have any more information? I searched for hours the other night. There's no newspaper reports on it. Everything was re- related to the story in Australia. I searched his name specifically for Mexico, for everything. I could not find anything apart from the website and the Facebook page. Wow, that's so crazy. I wonder if he was camping again or like what kind of accommodation he was staying in because that can always be kind of a clue. Absolutely. I mean, people do go missing in Mexico. Mm -hmm. As I was reading into this, there was a lot of people, a lot of stories about stuff. But I just thought it was so interesting. And so basically there's the Facebook page and then there's also an email address. And so I write to the the Facebook page and I said, hey, I'm just looking for some updates to see if there's any updates. And I emailed the email address. And this was last night. Mm. And then I was I was in two minds about whether I wanted to tell this story or not because it was a little bit felt a little bit more personal because I'd reached out and I actually got a reply from Daniel's dad. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it went through to Daniel's dad. And basically, I just messaged him saying, hey, I was just following up on the story of Daniel. Was wondering if he was, he was ever found. I do hope... He was able to make some contact with the family. I was reading about him in Australia, and I came across this story of him going missing in Mexico. And he wrote back, and I, I'll quote this, but because I, I am going to put a lot of links in our show notes. I'll put some photos of Daniel. I don't know if it's going to lead to anything, but hey, if you're in Mexico, you're listening to this, if you see a guy who looks like Daniel, Sometimes you, ne- you never know. all it takes is some, a little bit of uh, bringing the case again to some somebody who might know something, you know? Well, remember Anton from last week's episode, five years missing. Yeah. Family had basically given up on him. And I'm not saying that, you know, something, he could be alive, he may not be alive, you know? But five years Anton had been missing. I guarantee the family had thought yeah. that was it. Right. And he was alive. Mm-hmm. So uh, the reason I decided to do this, uh, tell this part of the story is because I thought, hey, if we can add more information to the world out there about it, you never know, someone might find him. Right. So Daniel's dad wrote back to me um, pretty promptly. I actually felt bad because I imagine, you know, he might have got the new, the alert on the email and then thought mm-hmm. maybe someone had contacted him. Uh, I don't know. I just felt, I felt very sad for him, but he said, hello, unfortunately, we haven't had contact with Daniel for three years. Thank you for your interest in his fate, but everybody's slowly realizing that he's probably dead. Oh, that was from his dad? From his father. Oh my God, that breaks my heart. I know. So yeah, so a little bit, so this one, this one sort of felt a little bit more personal, just sort of having reached out to 
and hearing that story. So, but I did decide that one of the main reasons I was going to tell it because one, it doesn't take anything away from his interesting travel. He's not so bon voyage uh, in Australia, mm-hmm. and two, I just thought that there was a, a severe lack of information on the web about it. So I thought that it'd be great if we could also put it out there. We could put some photos, and you never know. Hey. Mm-hmm. He could be anywhere in the world. Yeah, you never know. I mean, especially like Latin America, it's so, I mean, Mexico is so connected to so many other countries. Central America, like it'd be so easy to kind of just fade off into some foreign land. Absolutely. I don't. I mean, we, we can't make assumptions. Obviously, we have no idea about this guy's story, whether he's got mental health issues and disappeared. We know Anton did. Mm-hmm. Which was a big part of why he disappeared. Um, so yeah, basically, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? You never know. You never know. So we'll put the photos of him and the information on our show notes. And obviously, if anybody has any information or you know sees somebody who looks similar, it's worth reaching out. Yep. There you go. Anyway, Daniel, hopefully you are still out there, mate. Yeah. Having some more crazy adventures, and yes. we can we can update the world in future episodes to come. Yes. Either way, very cool traveler, it sounds like. Walking and walking. Yeah. It's a great way to see the world. On a side note, but semi-related, if you're kind of taking these long trips as a walker, maybe a little bit of like a recluse. Yeah. Be careful, but maybe a little bit of a recluse. Mm -hmm. Perhaps, you know. Could be. Yeah. Private person. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. Okay. That's it. Wow. That is a crazy story. Oh, that is intense. Took a turn. It took a turn. I mean, not every story is going to be funny that we tell on this podcast. Not every story is going to be, you know, have a happy ending that's tied up with a bow. Some of the stories are going to be sad. And that's the reality of travel, you know? Some not so bon voyages are hilarious. And some are end in tragedy or disappearances. And some of them start funny and end sad. Yeah. Or vice versa. Or vice versa. Mine has a little bit of everything. Oh, okay. You're going to take me on an emotional roller coaster here. It's, yes, I am, because I'm not going to tell you the ending of the story. Okay, let's jump straight into it. Okay, so this is the story of, I, I have a title, but it's also the name of the movie that this is based on, so I don't know if I want to tell you that yet. So I think I'm going to skip the title. Okay, skip the title. I, my, my autobiography is just going to be called Untitled. The Christine Williams story. Okay, but this is I don't is want to give away story. too many spoilers. <laughs> but, but it's my story. Um, no, this is the story of Billy Hayes. Not Willie Mays, but Billy Hayes. <laughs> Billy is in his early 20s. He is an American student living in New York in the late 60s. Oh, disco, baby. Or is disco 70s? I think disco 70s. Okay, what's 60s? 60s Burn your 60s bra, ladies. It's like free love. Summer of Love 69. Oh, yeah, baby. Hippies. Do you reckon Summer of Love 69 was on purpose? No, I don't think so. Because it was pretty convenient that 69 was the Summer of Love. I don't think people were 69ing back then. Were they? I mean, they obviously were, but was it called 69ing? Does anybody know the history of the 69? Yeah. Please let us know. Please hit us up at Nasa Bon Voyage. Don't send your own photos. We don't need to see that. Unless you're good looking. No, even then, we don't want to see I that. typed in 6ix9ine history. I don't know what I was supposed to type in, and I got Takashi 6ix9ine. I was going to say, yeah. Takashi 6ix9ine. Who is a rapper who snitched He's on everybody. Snitch. Yeah, he got stitches. Actually, he just has a ton of face tattoos. But, but he, he that's will. neither here nor there. What The term is found in a 1790 French work, The Whore's Catechisms. Catechisms? Catechisms. What's that word mean? Um, It's like... It's like a catechism. Okay. Anyway. It's like a, a, a rift, like a separation. Okay. Anyway, the term was found in a work in French from 1790. Of course, it's French. It's of course dirty it is. French. Sexy, <laughs> sexy, dirty French people. Uh, English picked up 69 by the 1880s with its numerical shorthand 69 familiar in the 1970s. So there you go. Okay. But I still don't think that's why they called it Summer of Love. But you never no, know. You never know. Well, you should Google it. Can I t- finish telling my story? Because I yes. got a lot more to go. So Billy's an American student. He's living in New York, late 60s. It's all groovy, baby. Billy is a frequent traveler to Istanbul, Turkey. 
He said he loves the city. He loved the people, the food, the history, climbing up the 1,000-year-old walls. He said it was just the city of his childhood dreams. Like, Good on you, Bill. Just loved the adventure. And so he went, was a frequent visitor, frequent traveler to Istanbul. And there was one other thing Billy loved in Istanbul. 69ing people. No, I mean, he probably did that too. But it is the hash. Oh. He liked to smoke the hash. Smoking Reefer that. Madness. Doobie Brothers. Smoking doobies with my brothers. Bit it's, I mean, similar. Similar. Hash is basically weed, it's just like more intense weed. I had so they say. Billy realizes he can buy kilos of hash for super cheap and then bring it back to the U.S. and sell it for thousands of dollars. That was back in the day when when you could internationally drug smuggle and there was just no TSA like there were now. It was the good old days. The good old days when you could really... Smuggle heroin and all that sort of stuff. Smuggle it in. Easy peasy. Oh, man. So, yeah, exactly. So back in those days, there was barely any airport security. They checked your bags a little bit, but there there wasn't like metal detectors. You could smoke on a plane. He probably smoked hash on a plane. Yeah, probably. It was just like there was barely any security, which is so crazy to think about because now we have to take our shoes off to get on a plane. Well, flying was so new. Um, was it? I don't know. I don't know if it was that new. People have been flying maybe more commercially. Aviation history and law. But there just wasn't any incidences of a, like aviation hijacking or, or whatnot. Nope. So it's all groovy back then. He does a few trips back and forth, buying kilos of hash, bringing it back. He The first time he does it, he tapes it to his leg and wraps a fake cast around his leg. Oh, and then he, yeah. So he's just doing those like uh, plaster of Paris mm-hmm. kind of bandages or whatever yeah, they are. Very creative for the back. Very then. creative. So he lands in JFK. He's kind of like sweating bullets. Like, is this going to work? And the cast starts falling off. It's disintegrating at the bottom because it's not real. Ooh. So he's walking to the airport and he's like, "Is somebody going to see me? Like, I'm going to be screwed." And he gets away with it. He walks right to the airport and it's totally fine. So he's like, he keeps going back and forth. He's making bank. He's making thousands of dollars, which is a lot back in those days money. Mm -hmm. Then in September of 1970, the Palestinian Liberation Organization hijacks and blows up a series of planes. Ruins airport security for everybody. Uh Thanks, guys. So they are blowing up planes that are heading to New York City and one heading to London. They're like hijacking them and taking them elsewhere and blowing them up. They're the pioneers. They're the pioneers of hijacking, basically. So now, obviously, airport security gets increased. He goes again to Istanbul in October of 1970. He does his stuff. He's meeting with the taxi drivers who always have the best hash. He's getting the goods. He gets to the airport and he's like, okay, things are probably going to be ramped up a little bit. He is checking out how intense the security is and it actually seems fine. Nobody's getting fully searched. It's just like standard practice. And at this point, he's got the hash taped to his body. He's really he's really changing the game he's here. He's up to his game. He's got to paste it to his body, and then he's got like these um, little... Uh, Spanks. He's got Spanks on. He's got Spanks on. He's the originator of Spanks. And uh, he actually made way more money founding Spanks. Yeah. His real name was Billy Spanks. Billy Spanks. Billy Spanks. Spanks you a lot because I just got a really cute pair of faux leather Spanks leggings, and they're adorable. So thank you, Billy Spanks. Thanks you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> anyway, so he gets their security. He's like, oh, I, he's actually pretty cocky by this point, by his own admission. And he is thinking, you know, I can get away with everything. I'm totally fine. So he gets through. And this time they have all the passengers board a bus to the tarmac, which I hate. <laughs> I hate getting <laughs> on a bus. I'm like, just get me from the gate into the plane. I don't want to lug my carry-on in the bus it's so hot even if it's like negative 40 degrees outside it's so hot i think the worst is when you have to take the bus when you land that too finally you've got off the plane especially if it's a long flight and you're like oh 
Get me off this plane so I can just get out of all these people who are coughing and sneezing around oh. me. You get me into some fresh air where I can stretch my legs. And you walk off the plane and then you've got to get on a bus. And you're like, oh, I fuck hate this, that. man. I hate getting on the bus. Oh, mm. It's just the worst. So at, I least feel you're, at least you're separated from the airline crew. Who? Yeah, who you, you know how I feel about those people. Those people. Those airline crew people. But also, luckily, I don't have any hash tape to me when I fly. I <laughs> shove it at my pussy instead. Just kidding. <laughs> Cut that out. Nope. <laughs> Please. No. Okay. So they board a bus to the tarmac, and he said that was unusual. They don't usually do that. And the bus is pulling up to the plane, and he sees that there are military officers with guns waiting outside the plane. Oh. Bom, bom, So they're searching everybody. He is freaking out. Because oh, they're looking for bombs. They're looking for bombs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is like heightened. This is like alert code level orange. This is like post 9-11. Yeah, exactly. But post September 1970. And... He basically tries to hide on the bus instead of getting off the bus. And he pretends he dropped his passport on the ground. And he's like hiding, like looking for his passport, which everybody starts getting off the bus. He's thinking, maybe I'll just get taken back to the terminal. And the old lady that was sitting next to him on the bus is like, oh, son, are you okay? What are you doing down there? Fucking snitch. He's like, fuck off, lady. And he's like, oh, I draw my passport. It's okay. And he's, she's like, no, it's in your pocket. It's right there. I can see it. Oh, thanks, Captain Obvious. <laughs> yeah, seriously. He's like, go away. So basically, he has to get off the bus. He's got nowhere to go. You can't run away. So he's in the back of the line. People are boarding the plane, and they're searching everybody's luggage and then searching everybody's person. So he slips past the person searching the luggage oh you know shifty a little slip pass and then he's pretending that he's putting his stuff back in his bag while he slips past the person doing the body searches so his heart is pounding get a fitbit on that guy exactly oh my god his heart rate is like boom through the roof he's burning some serious calories at this point and he has one foot on the stairs up to the plane you know they got the stairs going up the metal stairs that always shake is yeah, so yeah. rickety and he can see the flight attendant. She's smiling at him. With that, with that smug smile. Smug smile. That flight attendant. That I'm just kidding, guys. I This is a reference to one of our first episodes where I said, like, those people for flight attendants. Yeah, don't try and backtrack now. I mean, they're okay. They're neither here nor there. They're, they can be good and bad. I've, we've had some bad ones. But we've had some really nice ones, okay. actually, as well. Brenda. Was that her name? Brenda? I don't know. Can't remember. Keep going. Keep going. So he's got one foot on this plane. He's looking up at this flight attendant. He's ready to board. And then, boom, he's got a hand on his shoulder pulling him back. Oh, and it's one and of it's the officers. The grandma, and she's like, oh, and you're she's like, like, like off, grandma. She's like, I'm in the military, bitch. And I'm going to arrest you. <laughs> so he does the classic, like, oh, the other guy searched me. It's fine. But they figure out that he wasn't actually searched. So they're feeling his body up and down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They pat him down. On the way down, they don't notice anything. And he's like, maybe I'll get away with this. And then they go back up, pat, 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 and he feels something on his person, the officer. Okay, so the hijackings have just happened a month ago. So they're on high alert for terrorism, not drug smugglers. Yes. Drug smugglers are not a thing right now. So the officer is like, bomb, 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 in Turkish. I don't know what that is. But all the officers draw their guns, and they're all aiming at Billy. Oh, Billy Spanks. Oh, Billy Spanks. So he's like, oh. Found myself in an old face-off, hey? Oh, a little old face-off. So he doesn't know if he's about to get shot up in front of this plane or what. But carefully, one of the officers pulls his shirt up, and they realize it's hash and not a bomb. So everybody's like, oh, thank God. All right. All right. You're good to go. Except for Billy. He's like, oh, I'm still fucked. Yeah. So he gets arrested, Ovs, and he gets put in Samajlish prison. That sounded pretty good. I looked it up. I looked up my pronunciation this time. Billy was very easy to pronounce. I only had to look that up once. Samajlish is a little bit different. That sounds different than how you said it the first time. But anyway, continue. Samajlish? I'm not sure. It's in Istanbul. And funny fact about this prison. 
So this is like the main prison in Istanbul. Now it's a luxury Four Seasons hotel. Of course it is. So you can go stay there. I think it's called Samajlis Hotel or something, but go check it out. So he gets thrown into prison. He doesn't know what's happening. The first night he gets shoved in a a shell, a Mm. seashell. Yeah. And And he gets whisked away to sea with all the mermaids and fairies. Yes, and life is just grand under the sea. And then he realized he was actually high on hash. Yeah, exactly. No, he realizes they pulled him down into the basement and they're beating the shit out of him. So he receives a four-year and two-month prison sentence. That doesn't seem that bad. He gets done for possession instead of smuggling. Oh, okay. That is the key difference. That's the key difference. It's a big difference. Now, keep in mind, he's 23 when he's arrested. So So he's just a cocky little... He's a little shit. Yeah, okay. (laughs) He's a baby. So four years when you're 23 is eternity. It's a quarter of your life. What? Or wait, no, it's not. No. What the hell? It's a sixth of I your life. I knew we were bad at math. It's but... a sixth of your life. I'm pretty sure in the video I watched, he says a quarter. Okay. It's a sixth of your life, but yep. still. Yep. So he's in prison. It's pretty shit. He basically says that in prison, drug smugglers are like at the bottom of the hierarchy, even below rapists and murderers. And the very bottom that is- That doesn't the... seem fair. That doesn't really seem fair, but it's prison. And the very bottom of this hierarchy is foreign drug smugglers. So there you go. He's, so a, he's, he's the a real bottom of the barrel stuff right he's here. He's the bottom. So he starts planning his escape. He becomes escape. the bottom. He beca- I'm sure he probably was the bottom. He, he was, was the pretty bottom. cute back then in the 60s. Oh. He was like 60s cute. So. They're like, it's the Turkish summer of love over here too, Billy. <laughs> Bend on. over, Billy. Come on, Billy Spanks. <laughs> Billy Spanks, I'll make you nice and tight. <laughs> oh, God. So he starts planning his escape. And he hears the off the office. The off, I was gonna say the office scuttlebutt, but it's the prison. He has something butt. to do with his butt. <laughs> the prison gossip. Scuttle your butt over here, Billy. Oh God, poor Billy. He hears the gossip that the psych hospital for the criminally insane is much easier to break out of. So he starts acting crazy and gets himself admitted into that hospital, which sounds super creepy. And everybody is really crazy. Dude, four years is not that bad. You feel like you'd just take that. I was going to say take so. it on the chin, but that might be a bit too literal. Well, let's, let me keep going with my okay. story. So on the outside, the outside the clink, you know, on the outside, that's what they say. He has a friend named Patrick who is like a good friend who's like helped him before. And Patrick agrees to help him escape. So it's Patrick's job to... Jules is like laying on one arm. He's like laying like a supermodel on the ground. I'm lounging. He's posing. He's lounging. I'm listening. You just relax, baby. I'll keep talking. (laughs) So Patrick needs to get the fake papers and the documents and the getaway car so they can drive across the border to Greece. While Billy is in the psych ward, hoping that Patrick is getting all this together. He gets a letter from his father who tells him that Patrick has been murdered in his hotel room. Whoa. Yes. Apparently. Uh, I'm back up for my slumber. Okay. Jill's back in the game. Apparently, while he was getting involved with some suspicious characters trying to get the fake papers, he ended up with a bayonet through his stomach. So basically, he had this money... Fucked with the wrong crowd. Yeah. So basically he had money to get the papers and somebody found out and and robbed him and stuck a bayonet in his stomach, which is so intense. A bayonet? It seems so old school Who as well. has a bayonet these know. days? So Billy gets super depressed because he is feeling very responsible for his friend's death, you know, as he probably should. And he basically is like, I am giving up my mission to escape. At this point, I think he has like a year and a half left or something. So he realizes he just needs to take responsibility and do his time. God, what a silly thing to try and escape with a year and a half left, though. I'm not sure exactly the timeline, but it was, yeah, it wasn't that Either way, like, it's not like he's a lifer. Right, Like, if he's a lifer, then you'd be like, all right, let's try and work it out. Okay, let me continue, please. I digress. For the love of God. I'm doing this as a two-parter because it's going to take way too long to tell this whole story. Ooh, a two-parter. Yes. So I'm going to wrap up this part very soon, and I'm going to leave you with a cliffhanger. Oh. And then I will tell you the rest of the story next week. Okay. So I'm trying something new with this two-parter. 
So he realizes he needs to take responsibility and just do his time. So he gets transferred back to the normal prison. He has several things that he does. Some people are doing yoga, apparently. He ends up taking a French man as a lover. There is a shower scene that got cut from the movie. A very hot and heavy shower scene, apparently. Oh. Uh, he does Not other... these days. 2019. They'd probably yeah. spend about 10 minutes on that shower scene. Yeah. The, I mean, this is, the movie they made was in 1987. Okay. So If they made this time. movie in 2020, the movie would just be about the gay love affair. And I would see it. Yeah. That sounds great. Brokeback Mountain in the prison. Uh, he Brokeback also- Billy. Brokeback. That's what he had after his French lover was finished with him. Oh, my God. Really? Do we have to go there? Poor Billy Spanks. Billy. Okay. You're calling all my things. Please wait. Can you please stop? Yes. So he... I am a, I am this, a spoiler alert, though. This, Yeah, Jules always spoils movies. a human movies. movie spoiler alert. I should write movies. Anyway. You're so annoying. He... Okay, another th- fun uh, anecdote. He gets tabs of acid sent to him as from his friends in the U.S. and Amsterdam. So he does acid in jail, which sounds terrible, but okay. And apparently his girlfriend visited him at one point. So basically, this is the movie is called Midnight Express. Okay. I don't know Not if you've ever heard it. of it. Never heard of it. It's from the 80s. Okay. But it sounds awesome. It is as old as I am because it was born in 1987. The movie was born in 87? Yes, as who, was who, I. Who plays Billy? Uh, some person, I did not recognize their name. Okay. It was it, The movie's made by Oliver Stone. Oh, that person sounds familiar. Yeah, he's a famous director. And this the movie was based on Billy's book called Midnight Express as well. So I read an article that basically went through and said what of the movie was based on real life and what wasn't and what they left out. So these are just some anecdotes. Apparently, at one point, his girlfriend visited him in the jail and she exposed her breast through the window and smushed it up and said, Oh, Billy, which is where... From the cable guy. Yes, that's oh, where that comes from. That's what I was saying when I said it. I know, even though I've never seen that movie, but oh I do know that God. part. Oh, my God. Oh, Billy. That's from Midnight Express. Oh, my God. Yes. That's why he... Well, because he's, uh, he's addicted to, like, TV. Is the oh, guy's yeah. name Billy in the movie? No. Oh, okay. Then it's, yeah, that's from Midnight Express. Ah, gotcha. Yes. So interesting. So these are just fun little anecdotes during his time. So basically, he's just waiting for his time to get through this. He has 54 days before he gets out. Got a checklist. He's checking twice. Going to find out who's naughty or nice, you know, all that jazz. And 54 days before he gets out, he gets uh, called to the visitors area of a prison i guess i don't know one of those little rooms and the high court is meeting with him like a a lawyer from the high court his lawyer i guess and he's thinking maybe i miscounted maybe i'm getting out early it's only 54 days left like what like maybe this is it you know getting excited so he meets with the lawyer, and he said as soon as he walks in the room, he knows something bad has happened. Oh, no. So he's thinking, is did somebody in my family pass away? Like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. So he sits down with the lawyer, and they tell him that the high court has changed the verdict from possession of hash to drug smuggling. Oh. Which changes the life sentence. Sorry, changes the sentence. Spoiler which changes the sentence to life in prison. Oh, fuck that. Yeah, 54 days out. 54 days. That is ridiculous. And they're telling him he's going to spend his life in prison instead. Are you kidding me? So the lawyer said he can get life down to 30 years. But still, at that point, you're just like, fuck this shit. I should have got out now. Now we probably think I should have escaped. Right. So that is where I'm going to leave you. Whoa! So there's more to come. There's more to come. I'm I'm leaving you at this cliffhanger. It is a cliffhanger. Yeah. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna struggle not to like look this guy's story up. Don't look it up. Okay, don't look it up. If you're also listening to the podcast, don't look it up. Make sure that you are subscribed for next week so you don't miss the conclusion to this amazing episode that I can't wait to hear. It gets crazier. It gets crazier. Yes. Okay, well, you have to be subscribed. I mean, you don't have to. You could come back and listen to the episode, but it's easier if you're subscribed. Yes, agreed. And that's where we'll leave you for this week. Yes, we will. On not so much of a, a cliffhanger, but a conclusion that this is the Not So Bonfire podcast, and you should subscribe. 
You should subscribe and rate and review and hit us up on social media at Not So Mariage. Sounds good. It does sound good. All right, guys, we're going to leave on that cliffhanger because we've got to get out of here. And I'm gonna I'm gonna have to put my computer away, otherwise I'm gonna research this. Yeah, don't don't do it. I won't do it. I'll I'm give gonna... you. I'll, I'll link everything in the show notes, but don't look at them until next week because okay. there's a really great National Geographic show called Locked Up Abroad. I think they changed it to Banged Up Abroad, but yes. and it's a reenactment show with with Billy who's uh, narrating. And it's a really great wow. episode. Not to be mistaken with Banging the Broad, which is a much different... Much Banging different, the Broad. <laughs> much different video. That is a different video. Different We're video. not linking that. All right, guys. This is the Not So Bon Voyage podcast. Thank you for listening to another week. Rate, review, subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at Not So Bon Voyage. Stay safe on your travels. And if you're not... Don't forget to tell us about it. We're out, bitches. Bye, bitches. <laughs>